Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the War Memorial Opera House and the San Francisco Ballet Meet the Artist program. I'm Cheryl Osola, a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine, and I'm very happy to be here tonight with my guest, principal dancer Francis Chung. Hi, everybody. On behalf of the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, which produces the Meet the Artist program and other adult education programs, I'd like to thank you for coming tonight, the 11th of April, 2013, for the opening of Program 7. I'd also like to welcome our online listeners. Uh, these podcasts are available, um, or these interviews are available via podcast at our website, sfballet.org, and many of you may already know about them and tune in. And if you have had any trouble finding them lately, we are having some technical difficulties. <laughs> so we do apologize for that, and uh, we will rectify that as soon as possible. It may be June before you find everything you're looking for. So in the meantime, uh, the blog has lots of other things to keep you busy. So we've got videos and photos and Open Studio 455, which is the company's blog. And you'll find Francis on there, in fact. So, so my guest tonight, Francis Chung. This is the part where I get to embarrass her. Uh, Francis came to San Francisco Ballet in 2001 after training at the Go Ballet Academy in her hometown of Vancouver, British Columbia. She became a soloist in 2005, and then four years later, in December 2009, she became a principal dancer. She's known for her strength, her crystalline technique, that's my opinion, and versatility as an artist, and she's equally compelling in edgy ballets by William Forsyth, Yorma Elo, Wayne McGregor, as she is in the more lyrical and neoclassical works by George Balanchine, Helgi Thomason, Yuri Posikov, and on and on. She has danced the princess in the uber-classical Sleeping Beauty, and she gets to show off her ability with comedy uh, in uh, Coppelia with the role of Swanilda, and she does the stepsister in um, our upcoming Cinderella, and she and Sarah Van Patten are hysterical. And oh yeah, she's dancing Cinderella too. <laughs> Frances has guested in Germany, France, Italy, Mexico, and Australia. And she's toured with a small troupe, M and Company. She's won several awards. I have to turn my page. Including the um, Adeline Genet Award in London. And she was a finalist at the Prix de Lausanne in 2000 and the Helsinki International Competition in 2001. So for those of you who have yet to see program six, you're in luck because Frances is in everything. She dances the first pas de deux in symphonic dances, the Hedda Gobbler role in Ibsen's house, and tomorrow night she's dancing the lead role in Raimonda. So Frances, in program seven, tonight's program, you dance another title role, which is uh, Francesca in Yuri Posikov's Francesca de Rimini. And you know it's it's a technical, uh, a physically demanding role, um, but the emotional level is just off the charts, and the music is just this whirlwind. 
So I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about what it was like to learn this and to perform it, but also the, the learning process. Um, well, to begin with, anytime you work with Yuri Pozikov, our brilliant resident choreographer, it's always uh, a journey, a thrill. Um, it, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking right now, anytime we're working with Yuri, if you're doing something very extreme and probably physically painful, that's when he goes, yes, that, let's keep it. <laughs> so that's kind of a summary of Francesca. Um, I think not just the physical aspect of it, but also um, the emotional side of it. It's kind of a heart-wrenching love triangle, um, hellish story. Um, and I think when I first saw it, I actually was added partway through the creation of it. And I remember seeing the studio run and I was thinking, how is this physically possible? It's basically a full-length ballet kind of condensed into, um, I don't know how long it is. About 25 minutes, I It think. seems like about 25 hours that you're on stage. Um, but I think with Yuri's choreography, it's always um, very coordinated to the body and always very, very musical. And so once you get started, you're in, uh, there's so much momentum and um, uh, kind of the music also uh, continues to uh, kind of guide you to, to continue with the story and the dancing. It's, um, it's definitely possible, but it takes a lot to work up to the stamina for this ballet. But um, yeah, I really enjoy doing a piece like this. I think it might be one of my favorite ballets I've ever performed. Between the design sets and the costume design, it's, it's um, yeah, one of my favorite pieces of music as well. Well, it's not often you get 25 minutes of high drama nonstop. So I, one of my favorite uh, memories of that rehearsal period was hearing Yuri talking to Maria Kochakova in rehearsal saying, no muscles, no muscles. No positions, but then, of course, he wanted these beautiful shapes, and she did it. Then they all do it. So in, in program seven, you do um, uh, a part in Helgi Thomason's Crisscross, very different from Francesca de Rimini. Um, and it's the first movement part, the, the Avis and Scarlatti music, and it's the role that was made on uh, former principal dancer Tina LeBlanc who, even though it's been 14 years, Tina's a pretty hard act to follow. So I wondered, you know, what's, what's that like for you when you're taking over a role from someone who's been just so revered? And do you, do you sort of look for what she brought to it, or do you just say, I'm gonna forget everything she did and make this my own? When I think of Tina LeBlanc, I always think of her petite allegro and how crisp and sharp and fast she can move and um, it was, she's definitely a dancer that I had looked up to for a really long time and 
Um, I think when I watch the videos of her, I take what I can and I turn it into my own. Um, since it's been choreographed a long time ago, uh, when Helgi brought it back this year, he's made adjustments um, to according to the dancers who are performing it now. And so um, even though they're all very slight adjustments and probably not so noticeable, um, I think it's uh, he does it so that it, it feels more natural to whoever's performing it on stage. Um, but on top of all of that, it's, uh, it's a musical piece and, and it's very dynamic. And I think the great thing about doing a work by your artistic director is that he knows you very, very well. And um, there's always, he gives you room to kind of show your strengths on stage and, um, and, and to shine basically on what you excel in. And, and I think it's, um, yeah, it's having that relationship is very necessary and helpful, so. So when you say he's making little adjustments, is he doing that for various people in various roles to suit the individual? Yeah, we have individual rehearsals with him. Um, when I think anytime you're working with a live choreographer, he always wants um, to show, he always wants to show uh, what is best in a dancer, and I, I think anytime you come to a show, um, even though we're all doing the same part, when you come and see a different dancer, I think it always looks slightly different, and I think a part of that is obviously the individual dancer, but um, a lot of times it's also a collaboration between you and the, the choreographer or your coach. So. Hypothetically, you could do both of those roles in one evening. So how do you handle that kind of situation? What are you doing backstage besides changing your costume and makeup? Um, you start praying. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I think for the most part, we just take everything one step at a time. You know what you have ahead of you, so you prepare weeks in advance. Um, um, like. For me, I wasn't in uh, the program previous to this one, so I started working um, knowing that I had five out of the six ballets in the next two programs and just building up my stamina and, and uh, researching character and um, uh, yeah, just preparing myself at all times. That's a good policy. So, you know, most of the time when, when dancers are promoted, it's, it's at the end of one season and the promotion is effective when the season, the next season begins. But you were promoted actually during the run of Nutcracker uh, back in 2009, um, which usually means that Helgi is responding to something he's seeing in you at the time. Uh, do, you, do you, I'm sure you remember, do you remember? She remembers um, what Helgi said to you when he gave you that promotion? Hmm. <laughs> it was after um, a performance, and I think he had gathered a bunch of people, and the curtain had just come down, and um, and he he made an announcement, and I think it was a big blur after that. I'm not entirely sure, um, but I'm actually uh, grateful that it happened during that period. I think because uh, we do Nutcracker every season, and um, I think with every season, it, 
it's interesting. It's a, this has nothing to do with my promotion, but I'm going to talk about Nutcracker. It's a, a ballet we do every year, and I think because we have such a mixed rep program, it's nice to come back to something familiar and, um, and work on something and grow and, and not have to think about the steps or the choreography, but kind of build on um, just the presence, the performance aspect of it. And yeah, it's nice to relate that to a promotion, I guess. Do you remember, had, had you done the grand pas? Um, yes, that was probably, I'm not sure um, who, how many times I've done it previous to that, but I remember my partner was taught us, and he always reminds me that uh, I got promoted dancing with him, so. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with principal dancer Francis Chung. So I was just wondering, you know, as a principal dancer, I would imagine that there are younger dancers in the company who look up to you, consider you a role model, which is a pretty big burden. Um, but if, if you feel that at all, what, what kinds of things are you hoping to offer them? Hmm. Um, well, for one, because once we get into the opera house, it's very intense, things are moving at a very fast pace. I tend to be very um, just absorbed with myself. And uh, I think it's good to uh, realize that there are people around me and possibly people looking up to me. And uh, I think it's always a good reminder to know that there are um, younger dancers in the company. Um, I'd probably say um, just through my 12 years here, um, I've had many different seasons of life, but also life as a, a dancer, and um, seasons where there are more challenges and, and other seasons where um, things are rolling along and, and life is good, but um, I'd say with each stage, um, just to always be working on something and to continue to grow and, and to continue to um, just develop uh, whatever it is you're working on, technique or artistry or, um, or even you know, like building confidence and, and stage presence. Because um, I think if you stop growing, then there's nothing to look forward to. There's, um, yeah, it, it, I think it's very, very important to remember, especially when you've reached a place where you think you're comfortable, but there's always more to learn and, and more to uh, develop into. So I think it's also more interesting. It makes our job more um, fulfilling. So. And one of the things I think you, you give to them is, is just this positivity. I, when I think of you, I always think of someone smiling because I've rarely seen you not. And that's, that's I'm sure that's a nice thing to have around the studio and I the thank theater. You. <laughs> so, you know, you, you talked about, you know, the seasons of, of life as well as, as ballet life. And I know that you've done some um, humanitarian work. You did uh, 
she can add house building to her resume now. Um, she, you went to uh, New Orleans and after Hurricane Katrina and, and helped build someone a home. And you have worked with the uh, Children of Uganda 2012 uh, Tour of Light. So could you talk a little bit about those things and how they came to be? Um, I think it's it, those were personal decisions for the most part, and I just feel like everything outside of work kind of starts transferring, translating into what you see on stage a lot of times. I feel like when I'm on stage, I want the audience to see very much who I am, and so I try to try being a keyword to have a good perspective. And so I place myself in, in situations where I can see how much I have and how much to be grateful for. So um, the Tour of Light um, kind of came about more because I'm a principal dancer with the SF Ballet. Um, we put on a show uh, to fundraise for um, these children who um, they actually do traditional Ugandan dance and they um, uh, it's an organization that uh, helps uh, these children in Uganda just have hope and and uh, and kind of learn how to build uh, in terms of education and, and social skills through dance. And so we kind of uh, did a, a dance fundraiser for, um, for these children so they can come and perform uh, their traditional Ugandan dance and share their culture with uh, the people here. So it was really neat to see them uh, come here and share their dance with us and, and, uh, and and I feel like through that you can really see like authenticity and, and just pure joy in their dancing. And I mean, it's another portion in life where I can learn from, so. So um, over the course of 12 years, well, no, let's go back. I don't know how old you were when you started dancing, but I would imagine that when you were this five or six or eight or 10 year old, you thought about ballet in one way and you think about it very differently now. What, what made you want to dance then and what keeps you dancing now? I have a memory of me when I was a child. We, I grew up in Vancouver and we had a home and there was a long hallway and probably every few days I would just do Granchetes down the hallway when nobody was looking. <laughs> so I don't know if it was the the physicality of it or just the joy in moving, but um, I think that's probably one thing that um, has not stopped, even though it hurts more now. And I don't do it in the hallway when nobody's looking. <laughs> Um, but in terms of uh, growth in, in uh, artistry, I, I feel like there's so much more depth to work on when it comes to dance. And um, 
I think I've always been known for being more athletic and um, I've really enjoyed roles that have a specific character, especially a character that's not uh, um, parallel to who I am. Um, so parts like Myrta and Giselle, or even Ugly Stepsister and Cinderella, um, and even like tortured Francesca, it's, it's really fun to be something that I'm not on stage and, and really explore that side of, uh, of a human being, I guess. <laughs> I am gonna open this up to questions for you, but I have one last one for Francis, and it's, a, it's pretty much a one-word answer. One of the dancers in the company, who I can't remember, um, once told me that if San Francisco Ballet was going to send any dancer to the Olympics, it would be Francis. And so I'm going to ask you, and we have to, we're ruling out gymnastics and ice skating. If you went to the Olympics, what sport would you do? I think I would be a swimmer, or maybe a diver. Diving seems fun. Very good. <laughs> and so it's your turn. Anybody out there with questions? Yes, sir. How do you maintain your stamina? Um, if I have a lot of rehearsals in dance, I think the best way to gain stamina for dance is dance. Um, sometimes we don't have a lot of rehearsals, and so I do swim. <laughs> so swimming would be one, because it, um, it isn't too impactful on my joints. Um, or uh, I just started doing gyrotonics, which isn't really for stamina, it's more for physicality than stamina. But um, yeah, I'd say just getting into a studio and start practicing whatever you have to do. Yes. The question was about the overlap musically between Onegin and Francesca de Rimini, and it's actually only a very small portion of the music in Onegin. Um, but um, the question was whether dancers have trouble with muscle memory uh, dancing those two roles. I think you can generalize uh, about that for us. I think it can get confusing because a lot of our muscle memory is related to music and um, I think uh, music really helps us remember certain steps because sometimes question, uh, there's that question of how do you remember all the steps and each step is uh, very musical in choreography. Um, but I think once you've kind of shifted your mind because the role in Onegin and in Francesca is very quite different in style, and you'll see Yuri's movement is very different than um, Kranko's work. And so I think once you've shifted, it's, um, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. <laughs>
How do you handle just the variability of dancing with different partners, sometimes in the same role, not, not always? Um, it really just comes down to rehearsing with um, the partner that you're going to be performing with. Um, I actually really enjoy working, like the process of figuring out partnering and um, just different sensations that you feel as uh, as you get into a role. Um, so it's some, um, I guess it can be a challenge because, you know, certain men are taller or shorter and, um, you know, when you're dancing with a taller man, you're off the ground higher when they lift you and <laughs> certain things like that. Um, but for the most part, I think it's really an enjoyable process and I hope that my partners would agree with me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of all a part of our work and um, it's just, an, it's an enjoyable process. Is there a moment in Francesca de Rimini that, that uh, audiences should really look for or something that you feel is you know, really significant for them to watch for? That's a hard question because especially in this um, ballet, it, it's really much just out there for the audience to see. I don't think you'll miss anything. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the hard thing about the ballet is that it continues going. So it, in the beginning, there's a, a, a fast section, and, um, and then uh, you kind of get thrown around a little bit, and then the adagio begins. So once you finish the whole section, a whole other one is about to begin, and so I think the difficulty is maintaining um, that composure and the story, and um, I mean, luckily, you're in torture, and physically you feel that way too, so <laughs> it kind of all works out for in itself, um, but um, it's a very visually, effective ballet in terms of um, movement, I think. So I, I, I guess I would look at that. I mean, there's also sets, and um, in the end, there's dry ice and fog and different things like that. But I would really just focus on um, just the physicality of it and, and, uh, and obviously the, the, the torture and the torment and the emotional side of it. But... And I would say Yuri's really good at conveying emotion and meaning in his movement, so I think you'll find it pretty clear. Mm -hmm. so. I, I'm not quite sure I got that. Are, is the question about working with someone who is as long established as John Neumeier? 
Right, right. John Neumeyer is an American, but he's, his whole career has been in Europe, and, and so uh, many of his works haven't been done here, but this company has been fortunate enough now um, to work with him. Any thoughts on working with him in his movement style? Um, Briefly, because we're almost out of time. John Neumeyer is a very uh, emotional, focused choreographer, I think. And even before he started Little Mermaid, he sat us all down and he told us the story. And every time he tells a story, sometimes he, he brings himself to tears. And he's very much um, very connected to the story of a ballet. And um, I think the audience here really understood that, but we were lucky enough to go to Hamburg and watch some of his uh, performances by his company there. And I think because his audience in Germany gets to see his work more often, there's, I think they really understood the depth of it and they really responded um, like they knew exactly what uh, exactly what he was conveying, but um, yeah, it was definitely a privilege to have him here. I'm afraid we are out of time, but I want to thank you all once again for coming tonight, and please thank our guest, Francis Chung. Thank you. And enjoy the show.